Welcome to season two of the Testimony Service Podcast, brought to you by Engage. Engage is a brand I started at the end of last year to serve as a reminder for us to engage with God, to actually cultivate a personal relationship with Him, and then to engage others, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And one of the ways we engage others is through our testimonies. So here is episode 217, Hide and Seek. Alrighty. Hello, everyone. My name is Tabora Wilkerson, but I go by Tabby Chanel. I am now located in Virginia, 757. So back in 2017, this was around September, I decided to move back to Virginia from Colorado just to be closer to family. And I decided to go on an online dating website. Of course, I met some people and it was this one particular guy that I did meet. You know, we had conversation you know, over the phone, through text messages. And we finally decided that we wanted to meet in person on the day after Christmas in December. So when I met him in person, good conversation, seemed like a real nice guy. We always met at this bar. Uh, Everyone who he was, knew him by name. It felt like a good vibe to me. It felt like, okay, this could be it. He's a very sweet guy. Until the second week of January. (laughs) Second week of January, we went out and I noticed that he drinks heavily. And I remember that night when the bartender cut him off and she pretty much was saying, you know, you had too much tonight. Let's try to get you home. So, of course, you know, I I was good. So I ended up trying to drive him home. And I remember a friend of his called while we were together and the friend was wondering, you know, hey, you know, can you come get me from this particular spot? And of course, the guy was with said yes. But me being back in Virginia, I didn't know my way around. Uh, So I remember just asking him, like, you know, hey, where am I going? And I don't know if something switched in his mind, some type of jealousy. But I can just remember him, like, yelling at me as I was driving. And I've never seen this side of him. It was something like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. So as I'm driving... I can remember, you know, he's fussing at me, he's cussing. He pretty much is just like, why are you so worried about my friend? Like, why do you need, you know, his address? And I'm like, didn't you just say you wanted to go pick him up? I just even know where we're going. So I was just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go ahead and take you home. And then you can, you know, come by the house and get your car. So as I was turning on his road, I can remember he literally grabbed me by my braid, like pulled me to the side where as I was pulled, I can remember the car jerking. And remind you, this is January. It's cold outside. It had just finished snowing. So it was a little bit of ice and stuff on the road. And I can remember the car sort of falling in a ditch. So he gets angry. And I mean, he's hitting on me. I'm trying to fight back. Like I said, this is my first experience with anyone putting their hands on me. So As he's hit me, I'm trying to fight back. Another car or truck pulls up beside us and was like, hey, you guys okay? Do you guys need me help? And I could remember, you know, waving at them like, yes, yes, you know, please help us. Because for one, he's beating up on me. For two, we stuck in a ditch. So anyway, um, the guy stops. You know, he tries to hook his truck to our car. He tries to pull us out the ditch. And all of a sudden we fall further in the ditch. And I can remember him like this anger just went through his eyeballs. And I'm just like, who is this man? He jumps out the car. And then like maybe two minutes later, we start hearing gunshots. We don't know where the gunshots coming from. Everybody's ducking, people running back and forth. We don't know what's going on. And mind you, this is like two, three o'clock in the morning outside. 
So um, he then comes to the driver's car. He literally ejects me out the car and was like, they're about to take us home. After that night ended, unfortunately, you know, this person did get locked up because of the gunshots and everything that's, you know, was already on his pending charges. So we stopped talking for a while. I mean, I was ignoring jail calls. I was ignoring his mama's phone calls. Like, I did not want to be involved with nothing like that. And I can remember Valentine's Day. He popped up at my job. I worked at a retail store then, and it's a bunch of women, of course. So he popped up at my job with all these nice gifts and asking, you know, if he could take me out to eat because we really needed to talk about this incident that happened in January. And at the time, I was like, you know, no, I like, I, I don't deserve that. I'm worthy of more than what he did. I mean, I had just met this guy. So for him to pull me by my hair to fight me because of me asking him a question, I just wanted to say no so bad. But because of the audience that I had, my coworkers, like, oh, you know, let him take you out. This will be nice, blah, blah, blah. I went on and did it. So again, we had a conversation about his alcohol habits. And he pretty much was just like, you know, he apologized for everything that happened. You know, he's trying to go to different classes to work on his drinking habit and hopefully, you know, work on his issues with the drinking. So we started talking again, dating, going out. And I can remember it was one night. Again, we went out and he had drinks. And I'm like to myself, like, wait a minute. Like, aren't we in classes? Like, you're not supposed to be drinking that much. Like, we're not supposed to have another episode, you know, from January. And I can remember asking him, like, you know, you good? Why, why are you drinking so much? And I remember him literally dragging me out the karaoke bar, like literally by my arm. And I'm just like, okay, I'm coming. Like, you know, you're pulling me out the, out the karaoke bar. And he had my purse and he literally like threw my purse at me at the karaoke bar. And I was like, oh yeah, we're not going to this again. So I tried to grab my purse, try to get everything back into my purse. I tried to get in my car to leave. And he came to my car, literally jumped in the passenger seat and put a gun to me and told me to leave. So after that, I think my concern was, okay, is he going to kill me? Because he put a gun to me and told me to drive away. So after that, you know, I took him home. I went home and I had to like really think to myself, like, is this something that I want to be in? You know, every once in a while, you're good. Um, and then next thing I know, you turn into this whole different person. You putting guns out at me, you throwing stuff at me, you're hitting me. Is this something I want to deal with? And I remember ignoring him for a couple of days. But like I stated, he knew where I work. He knew where I live. And I remember him popping up to my job. And he was just pretty much like, if you ever ignore me like that again, I will kill you and your family. At that point, I was more concerned of my family. I was more concerned of my mom. I was more concerned of my sister and my niece that I was living with at the time. Because eventually he knew where my mom worked. He knew where my niece went to school. I think she was in elementary school at the time. He knew where she went to school because we went to a couple of assemblies, you know, with her while she was getting awards. And he knew where we lived. So at that point, I was just like, okay, God, like, I don't know what you're trying to show me. I don't know why this person is in my life right now, but I have to do what I have to do. So as time progressed... <laughs> He, I mean, he used to choke me. He used to strangle me. He used to slap me in my face. I remember one time he punched me in my nose. I thought my nose was broken. 
And it was even during that season, during that time, I can remember wearing those big glasses that don't even have prescription in it because I was afraid of what people would think about my eye or people would think about the bruises around my face. And one night, this was like maybe the beginning of April. And I remember one night he got, again, so drunk that he ended up even, I would say rape because I didn't want to do anything. And I remember one night he literally forced his stuff on me. I'm crying the whole time. I did not, I did not feel safe. Like he put a gun to my head and told me to do certain things that I did not want to do. And I remember leaving that next morning and I was like, God, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. This is not an experience that I know I should be in. So if you don't take me out of this, God, I'm going to end up taking myself out. And that meant I was suicidal. I was going to kill myself. I wanted to be out so bad. And the last straw was when we went out April 26th. And again, he got drunk. I wanted to go home. And I remember him saying, we got one more spot to go to. We went to some type of after hour spot, like somebody's house or something. I sat in the car and I was like, I don't have to do this. Like, I don't have to sit here and wait for you while you go up in there and drink, have fun with your friends. I'm just sitting in the car because for one, I'm tired. For two, I don't want to be bothered with all these people and I'm ready to go home. So I remember calling my homegirl two, three o'clock in the morning. I was like, I know you're asleep. I'm so sorry. I was like, but is there any way you could pick me up from this address and just take me to my car? And so she was like, oh, I'm not sleeping. You know, I'm up. You know, I'll come get you and take you to your car. And remind you, my friend was about five months pregnant then. So she came to pick me up. He knew where I parked my car because, of course, we met at that location in order for me to get in the car with him. We went to the location where my car was. I literally got in my car. I waved at her and told her I was good. I cranked up. I was literally about to turn the corner and she was going the opposite direction. And we both saw this car just speeding down the road, flashing its lights, blowing the horn. And so by the time he got to the end of the corner, as I was turning, the car pretty much stopped right in front of me. So if I would have kept going, I would have hit the car. So I stopped. He jumped out the car again. I see that angry face. I see those eyes again that I saw from the incident of January. And literally, I tried to lock my door of my truck. And instead, I ended up rolling down my window. So I rolled down my window. He opens the door. And again, we're just fighting. He's punching on me. I'm punching on him. I'm trying to kick him out the way. And I think I hit him in a certain way that really made him angry. And I remember him literally, again, pulling me out the truck, like pulling my shoulder out my body. That's how I felt. And as soon as he pulled me out the truck, my whole body just hit his car. After that, I don't remember nothing. I remember waking up in the hospital, hearing my mom scream. And she kept asking me, who did this to you? Did he do this to you? Like she knew already. Like mom knows, okay? I'm just gonna let everybody know. You may not want that advice from her when you're dating or, you know, trying to, you know, date someone or talk to someone. But mothers, they know everything. So when I was in the hospital, I remember her asking me, did he do this to you? Did he do this to you? And I couldn't say it at the time. But like maybe a few minutes later, she left out and she came back in and she was like, look, you have to tell me who did this to you. And I finally said his name. So, of course, the cops and everything was there. I was in the hospital for three days. 
they were saying that they were going to possibly have to do plastic surgery on my face because of how everything was dislocated. My eyeball, I remember um, they said he did so many shots to my eye that that would be blurry for the rest of my life type deal um, or it could get worse. Like I posted my coming out story, I would say that. And I remember seeing the pictures of how my face was just so swollen when my mom saw me. Like, you would have never known it was me. Even to this day, and I'm trying not to ugh, cry about it, but even to this day, I look at myself now and I look then, I'm like, wow, like, I'm a true definition of, I do not look like what I went through at all. So fast forward with the court cases, I was off work for a whole month. So everyone was coming to visit me until my face, you know, had came down and everything was going good. And I remember my friend telling me that when she basically was going to drive off that night, she turned back around to see what's going to happen. And of course she could tell her story better, but she pretty much told me that when she came back around, mind you, five months pregnant, (laughs) came back around, jumped out the car. She kept yelling my name. I would not answer. And she would say pretty much that night, I was literally on the curb and he was just punching, 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 punching. And I mean, punching. She was like, I don't even know. I couldn't even keep count with how many hits he was hitting on you until I called his name. And that's when he like snapped back. And she said the way that he looked at me just looked like, again, he was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like that, the eyeballs, like she could explain to you so much clearer. But she pretty much said when that night he ran up to her pretty much knocked the phone out of her hand and was like, if you tell anybody that I did this, then I'm going to do the same thing to you. So, of course, now court is still going on. Thank God he's still locked up. So, but we had to put a pause on it because of COVID Then a couple of continuances due to lawyers and people that he wanted on his side that he couldn't get at the time. So, I don't have an exact date of when trial and everything will happen, but I'm praying to God <laughs> that it will happen soon. It's a lot on me now because sometimes, you know, you you think about it. You're like, you try to get over it. You try to get through that healing process, but it's always triggers that alerts you or that be like, oh, don't let him do you like that. Like, it's a trust issue thing for me. And so, like I said, I'm dealing still with the healing process. I can't say that I'm fully healed, but I have been healing. I have been learning myself again, and I'm actually learning to date again. So it's been, what, four or five years So I'm actually learning to date again. I'm actually learning to try to trust people and actually get back into that dating scene. So that is my story. That's my testimony. Right now, like I said, I don't look like what I've been. I know y'all can't see me on the radio, on the podcast. (laughs) But I do not look like what I've been through. And I praise God daily for that. The only issue is my eye. My right eye does get blurry at times. Thank God for glasses and eye doctors because at night this little eye goes a little crazy. But other than that, I can truly say that I do not look like what I've been through. Yeah, you absolutely don't. Like I remember seeing on Facebook when you, I think you posted a picture, right? Mm, Uh, Yes, I did. I was like, I mean, oh my God, like. Yes. Yeah. I had so many people like, is that you? Was that you? And I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're scrolling through social media or whatever, and you see something crazy and sometimes you're just like, uh, you know, that looks like something emotional and something crazy. So I don't want to look at it. But I just I just did a double take because you you, you kind of scroll past like, oh, that's someone someone sharing like a post from the news or something. That's clearly someone I don't know. And mm-hmm. then I scrolled back and I was like, oh, my God, Tabby. 
Like, yeah, but you do not look at all like what you've been through. And so it's, it's just such a blessing um, how far you've been able to come uh, physically. And then if you could just talk a little bit about how what's helped you um, or what is helping you as you're still trying to like overcome the trust issues and learning yourself again. What does that process look like for you practically? Maybe something that someone else can kind of like take some of your advice on how to move forward from something like that. Yes, I actually went to therapy. Therapy is amazing, okay? I need everyone to love therapy. (laughs) I went to therapy for a few months and I, you know, it was hard for me to tell my story. So having someone that doesn't know you, that doesn't know, you know, anything about you and you're telling them, you know, what happened, what's going on, and they actually give you that advice as a therapist should, that really helped me. Her advice, you know, was pretty much, you know, learn to talk again, learn to do something for myself. Because I know during that time, I was so concerned with him. You know, I, I didn't do for myself anymore. I didn't love to get my nails done, get my hair done, go get a massage here and there. But as of now, honestly, too, is my walk with God. I'll tell anyone, if it were for God, I would not be here today. And even my nieces and nephews, I'm going to be honest, you know, during the whole recovery of being at home and being stuck, couldn't work, couldn't really go out because I was so embarrassed of what my face looked like. My nieces and nephews really inspired me to keep going. Um, I don't have kids of my own. So those are like my babies. And even my niece, during the time, I remember her coming to me and she was like, auntie, you're not smiling. And I remember putting the biggest smile on my face because <laughs> it's like people are watching you. You know what I mean? And a lot of times I learned too that your story is not just for you. It's to help someone else. So you can get enough courage, enough strength to be who you are. Um, be Like for me, be tabby to help someone else. Then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, that part where you said like, God, if you don't get me out of this, like I'm going to get me out of it. Because it's like, there's there's only two options at this point. And it's like, God, <laughs> like- and, and for him to God, keep me yeah. here, I know there's a purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for me to say that prayer and for him to be like, oh, daughter, I got you. You know, <laughs> like anybody else, and I'm going to be honest, there's so many domestic violence issues out here. Like I remember it's just one- I can't even think of her name, but I remember they can't even find her and her child out here. And the incident happened by a beach. And all I could think about is what if he would have just threw me in the ocean? You know, what if he would have just threw me in the water? Or what if I would have died that night? I know there's a purpose behind this. And that's why I'm comfortable now, even after four years, <laughs> to pretty much come out and say, hey, this is what happened. Hey, this is how I'm getting through it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So now that you're getting back into dating again, are you doing it online? I have not. Okay, okay. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I am a little nervous. I am a little scared. I wouldn't say it's like a dating app, but I have it on Facebook. You know, Facebook, people see you and they may inbox you Mm -hmm. here and there, but I'm not on no, I think I met him on tag. I'm not on no black planet. I'm not on no plenty of fish. Like, no, I just feel like if my <coughs> husband, if my husband's out there, he's going to see me either on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Is there anything that you do differently or how do you approach dating differently maybe than you did before? Yes. I approach dating as not telling all of my business at once. Mm-hmm. I've learned, cause like I told you in that situation, he knew where I worked. 
He knew where I lived. He knew where my mama worked. My niece went to school. I learned to progress myself. So, you know, as you're getting to know someone, I tell them more about me than more about my family, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I try not to give so much information, you know, where I live or, you know, who I hang with or anything like that. So I definitely take it a little bit slower mm-hmm. than I did before. Another thing, too, is that I do, you know, like I say, even meeting someone in person, if I do meet them on Facebook or if I do, you know, meet them in public, I'll still wait, you know, a couple of few months before I'd be like, OK, let's go on a date. Let me see what you're talking about first. Like, mm-hmm. let me see, you know, what's your goal, what you like to communicate before we just start hanging out and you know everything about you. So I think that's what I I do now. It's just slowly progressive. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Because sometimes you just get going. You just, you hit that infatuation before you know it. Yeah. You just. Split out everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, my mom, she does this. Yeah. uh Uh-uh. You don't need to know all that yet. Right. Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, What? advice would you give to your younger I'm saying younger but let's say four years ago (laughs) your younger self to let it go when that first time happened what she say if a person show you who who they are believe them well my mom she always say he was a narcissist right if you look up the word narcissist the the people that are narcissists they want you to feel bad for what they do they want you to be the blame for what they do and like I said, when you, when that person show you who they are, believe them. And that was my thing. I, I decided to take them back. I had a heart. Like, oh, maybe he's changed. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't change unless they really want to change. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. I can't say that a narcissist never changed because I'm not sure. But I feel like if they want to change, I feel like it could possibly happen. Yeah. What's the main thing that you would want someone to take away from hearing your story on today? You have purpose. I just, I feel like everyone that's in this world that's on earth has a purpose. And I feel like whatever, again, happens to you, it works for your good. Even if you're in the situation now, I strongly encourage you to please get out or get some help to get out. If you're on the news, if you're looking at articles, there's so many women getting killed behind domestic violence or getting, I saw a story the other day, a lady got burnt to death behind domestic violence. So you have a purpose. And I just feel like everything works for your good, but also use wisdom with dating different types of people. Use wisdom. And like I said, if you're in a situation, get out and make sure, you know, like I said, all things work together for your good. All things has a purpose, but use wisdom and that all things. So, <laughs> so yes, man. So you won't end up, you know, in any position like that ever. Thanks for listening to another episode of the testimony service podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple podcasts, please leave a review. It'll help get these testimonies to more ears. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So you never miss an episode. We'll be back next Wednesday, so here's a sneak peek for you. Sometimes I was tired of hearing myself say sorry to God, so I stopped saying it. I was just like, God, you got to be tired of hearing this because I'm tired of hearing it. If I say, God, I'm sorry for messing up in this way one more time, uh, uh, it's over.